0: All right, if you'll turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis in chapter number 49. Genesis in chapter number 49, I want to say thank you, preacher, for allowing me to be able to speak this morning to this good group of young people. It's already been good to be here at this meeting, amen. My heart has already been blessed through everything through the preaching of the Word of God. And I've heard Brother Broadus preach many times, but never have I ever heard him preach any better than he did last night. And I began to think about, uh, obviously, the message that Preacher preached last night, then Brother Jorgensen preached just a little while ago. And uh, I know Brother Fisher had a whole lot better um, uh, introduction about Commonwealth than I do, but I began to think about um, Commonwealth, and Brother Broadus is a product of Commonwealth, and that's a good example of a product of Commonwealth, Brother Broadus. Then I began to think about the Princeton graduate. That, uh, that done away with the business world or whatever he could have done in life and just sold out to God. And then I think about the president of Commonwealth Baptist College, our preacher, got saved at five years old and has just lived for God all these years. Amen. And I'm thankful uh, to be able to be a part of the team here at Claysville Baptist Church and I'm, I'm indeed honored uh, to be able to stand before you this morning to be able to preach and I appreciate the friendship of Brother Davis, and I know that uh, all the prayer and everything that has gone into this, and all the behind-the-scene workers, we, we thank you uh, for your uh, heart uh, for the next generation. Amen. And the man that you've already heard preach and that you will, you will hear preach the rest of the week, and all the behind-the-scene workers that you'll never meet. Uh, we, uh our heart is broken, and we're burdened for God to raise up another generation of servants for God. Amen. And so um, I, I want to give you my heart today. Genesis chapter number 49. Genesis chapter number 49. Let me read some verses, and then um, just a few verses here that I'm going to pray, and then we'll just get right into uh, the message here this morning. Genesis chapter number 49. Verse number 1, the Bible says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel, your father. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength. The excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. Now look at verse number 33. Bible says that when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And Lord, we sure do thank you, Lord, for first loving us. Thank you for saving us. And dear God, Lord, we have already sensed the presence of the Spirit of God in this place or last night and already this morning. And dear Spirit of God, I pray, Lord, that you do the work only that you can do even for these next few minutes. Dear God, I'd rather be seated today than not to have the power of God upon my life. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, again, that you would empty me of myself and fill me with thy Spirit. Lord, allow me to be able to have the ears of the young people here today, their hearts, their minds. And dear God, I pray that you'd speak to their heart, Lord, Lord, we like this to be the last message that they'd ever hear. And dear God, I just came out of a revival in Louisiana. Lord, now we're in another revival. but Lord, I beg you, Lord, I ask you that this would be as if the very first time that I stood to preach the word of God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would raise up another generation of young people that will sell out lock, stock, and barrel for the cause of Christ. The Lord, will give you all the honor and glory for what you do. In your name I pray. Amen. You'll find here in the verses that I read, one of the great patriarchs, Jacob, very evident that he's at the end of his life. And in verse 33, you'll find that Jacob does die. And in the early verses that he tells all of his sons to gather around so that he can give them his last words before he dies. He calls all twelve sons to come to his bedside and he tells them what their name represents and because of what they've done and the life that they've lived, what shall now befall them in their last days. The first son that Jacob calls to him is none other than his firstborn Reuben. And he tells him in verse number 3, he says, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Can I say if those were the last words that Jacob told Reuben, Reuben could walk around a very proud man the rest of the days of his life that his father said that about him. But those were not the last words that Jacob, said about his son Reuben he went on to say in verse number 4 he said you're unstable as water thou shalt not excel because thou wentest up to thy father's bed then defiledst thou it he went up to my couch he said Reuben he said you're unstable as water and thou shalt not excel the word stable, it means not likely to change or fail. It means to be firmly established. It means to be fixed. David said in Psalm 108, verse number one, he said, "O oh God, my heart is fixed. Other meanings of stable means to be secure. It means to be solid. It means to be strong, steady, firm. It means to be steadfast, unwavering, unfaltering. But Jacob's last words to his firstborn Reuben were, he said, you are unstable. He said, you are going to change. You are going to fail. You're not firmly established. You're not fixed. You're not strong. He said, Reuben, he said, you're unstable. Jacob goes on to tell Reuben, he said, because of your instability, you're not going to excel. You'll find the word excel means to surpass others. It means to be superior in some respect or area. It means to do extremely well. It means to go further than others. It means to go places. But again, Jacob tells Reuben, he said, Thou shalt not excel. You're not going to surpass others. You're not going to do well. You're not going to go anywhere because you're unstable. Reuben, because you're unstable, because you're not fixed, because you're not firmly established, because you're not steady, you're not going to excel, you're not going to do well. Uh, You see, young person, the consequences of being unstable in life are you're not going to go anywhere in life. You're not going to exceed. You're just going to tread water. You're just going to stay in the same old rut day in and day out as long as you're unstable. I don't know about you, but I sure wouldn't want those to be the last words of my dad on his deathbed. As much as I hate to admit it this morning, there was a time in my life, although my dad may have said different words, before I was saved, my dad told me the same thing. Son, you're not going to go anywhere living this life. My life was absolutely a complete mess and I don't say any of this to bring any kind of glitter or glamour to sin or Satan. I want to bring all the honor and glory to God in my life. I grew up within what I would consider a, 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 a Christian home, a godly home, a family that definitely went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. My dad would even drive a church van that would pick up kids in the community I couldn't get to church any other way unless a church van went by to pick them up. And I, I, I won't spend too much time on that, but I, I made a promise as a 10-year-old boy. My, I had an older sister that began to rebel and began to do things that were not taught in the home and ended up uh, going to a girl's home. And I remember making myself a promise as a 10-year-old boy that I would never hurt my mom and dad the way that my sister had hurt them and, I kept that promise for some time but at 14 years old I too found myself in the first drug rehab that I would ever go to and I remember just like it was yesterday sitting across the table in an office area my mom and dad sitting across the table from me and a psychiatrist sitting next to me. That psychiatrist began to tell my mom and dad how I would have to live in that rehab for 30 days and how I would have to get up and say, my name is Chris Dallas. I'm a dope addict, an alcoholic, and obviously tears streaming down my mama's face, but only the second time in my life I'd ever seen my dad cry was there that day. And I remember my dad looked at me and he said, Chris, he said, if you promise us that you'll quit hanging out with the crowd you're hanging out with, and you promise us that you'll quit doing the things you've been doing, he said, we'll let you come back home, but if you can't promise us that, then you're going to have to stay here And as a rebellious 14 year old punk I looked at my dad there that day and I said I hate your guts and I never want to see you again. That was two weeks before Christmas there that year and Christmas morning come rolling around and my mom and dad come to visit me there in that rehab and I began to make promises after promises after promises that I'd quit hanging out with the crowd I was hanging out with and I'd quit doing the things i have been doing but those were just verbal promises. There wasn't a difference in here. From the time I was 14 years old to the time I was 22 years old my life was unstable as water. Trying different things in the world but just continuing to stay in the same old rut day in and day out. At 22 years old I found myself came from a family that definitely monetarily provided me a nice roof over my head, clothes on my back, plenty of food on the table but found myself homeless living in a my car at a rest area about a mile south of Fernando, Mississippi. 22 years old, my mom found out that I was in that rest area and she put me in a halfway house, or made the arrangements for me to live in a halfway house. And that night when my mom dropped me off, what she told me that night when she dropped me off, I guess I'll never forget this side of eternity. She said, Chris, she said, you're not going to hear from your dad and I for some time because we've had to change our phone number because we've been getting harassing phone calls from dope dealers that you owe money to. And sure enough, I didn't hear from my mom and dad for about six months. And in order to live in that halfway house, I had to go to AA meetings and get up and say, My name is Chris Dallas. I'm a dope addict and alcoholic. On one particular Sunday night, August 16th, 1998, I was walking out of the halfway house about to head to an AA meeting and the phone rang and I went and answered the phone and when I did, it was my mama. Mama invited me to church and I immediately agreed to go to church not to hear about God, not to learn about the Lord, just simply agreed to go to church so I could manipulate my family and maybe please them that I came to church and they'd be pleased enough to let me get out of that halfway house and come home to live with them. That night I got to church there that night and I realized very quickly there was somebody there more powerful than I was. There was somebody there more powerful than the crowd I was running around with and the things I was putting in my body. That night somebody told me the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and I bowed my head and bowed my heart and called on God to save my soul. And I testify to you today my life has never been the same since that day. But there was a time in my life my dad said, Chris, you're not going to go anywhere living this life. You're unstable. You're just going to tread water. You're just going to go down a dead end road. I'm sure it's safe to say here this morning there may be a young person of my voice. You're unstable in some areas. Maybe there's a young person here this morning that you're unstable in your salvation. Maybe you raise your hand in invitation time that you're saved but you know as well as you're sitting here today that you don't have the assurance of your salvation. You know good and well you don't know if you'd go to heaven or you'd go to hell today. Oh, you may have a date etched in the front of your mind or 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 date in front of your Bible And you remember following a group of young people to an altar some time ago and maybe saying a prayer, but you don't have that plate, you don't have that peace that others do. And the songs that we sing about Jesus and the cross don't touch your heart like it does the one sitting next to you. And maybe there's somebody on the sound of my voice. You're unstable in your salvation, and you know good and well you're just enduring the Christian life, but you're not enjoying it because you don't know Christ as your Savior. There may be somebody, you're involved in your youth department, you may say amen during the preaching, you may carry a Bible under your arm, you may have a smile on your face and everyone around you may say that you're a Christian, you're a youth director, his wife, your pastor, his wife, but you know good and well when the crowd's gone and you're all by yourself in your room alone. You're afraid if you were to die in the middle of the night, you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell. You're unstable in your conversion. Thank God I've got good news for you, teenager. You don't have to go around life wondering or not if I'm saved or if I'm lost. The Bible says these things have I written unto you that ye may know that you have eternal life. Amen. Can I say this morning, you're looking at a preacher that doesn't claim to be the smartest in the crowd and not the sharpest tool in the shed. I don't know very much this morning, but thank God, I do know this. I'm saved by the good grace of God. And heaven's my home, amen. Maybe there's a young person here this morning. You've done the one thing you're supposed to do for salvation, and that is to trust in the finished work on the cross of Calvary. But you're unstable in your salvation because of mistakes. Because of sin. Because you've messed up. Well I've got good news for you that's trusted Christ as your Savior but you still doubt your salvation. The Bible says that I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And we serve a God that said I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Maybe somebody's unstable in their salvation this morning. Maybe there's somebody here today you're unstable in your submission to authority. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 1 and through 3 Children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. Uh, Can I say this morning the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse number 17 Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you young people you want to excel in life can I say do you want to go somewhere in life learn what it is to obey the authorities that God has placed in your life learn what it is to tell those friends no they try to get you to do against what your mom and dad try to instill in your life can I say young people listen to me this morning Those so-called friends that cause you to rebel against your God-given authorities, whether it be your parent or your preacher or your youth director or a teacher in school, that mom and daddy that loves you enough to put a roof over your head and clothes on your back and food on the table and sometimes have to work two jobs just to put you through a Christian school. And that pastor that preaches to you thus saith the Lord, whether it's popular or not, young people, listen to me very clearly this morning. That crowd out there that gets you to do against what they instill in your life they're not your friends you're real friends with that mom and dad that love you enough and the man of God that loves you enough to preach the truth can I say this morning young lady you can surrender all you want to this week to keep your purity until the marriage altar or simply a young person that settles in your heart once and for all you're going to live for God this week But regardless of what commitments you make in this youth conference, if you're not right with the authority in your life, you're not right with God. Amen. Maybe there's some here today you're unstable in your songs. You're unstable in your music. Oh, you'll come to the conference and you'll love this type of music and you'll dedicate yourself to listening to this type of music and it'll last for about two weeks and then you'll go back to your rock and roll and your rap music and your country and western and that music that brings no honor or glory to the Savior and is straight out of the pits of hell. You're unstable in your music. Can I say if you're unstable in your music, you're not going to excel. You're not going to go anywhere. And Can I say this? If you listen to the world's music, you mark it down, it won't be long until you're involved in the world's activity. God, give us some young people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and make up your mind and say, I don't care who else is bowing down to the ungodly music in this world. But I'm going to listen to music that brings honor to God. I'm going to listen to music that talks about the cross. I'm going to listen to music that talks about the shed blood for my sin. I'm going to listen to music that brings honor and glory to God. There may be somebody here today that you're unstable in your separation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14 through 17, Be ye not unequally yoked together, with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what concord hath Christ with Belial or what part hath he he that believeth with an infidel and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people wherefore come out from among them and be a separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will will receive you the Bible says oh God give us some young people this week that will dedicate themselves to be different than the world God give us some young people where there will be a clear distinction between the way they dress and the way the world dresses God give us some young people whose conversation will be different than the world's conversation. God give us some young people whose music will be different than the world's music and realize that you're not a weirdo if you believe what that man just preached a little while ago and dedicate yourself and have the frame of mind. You don't care who else, what all the other young people are doing. You don't care who else is smoking dope and drinking liquor and fornicating and acting like a bunch of fools but I'm going to serve God no matter what everybody else is doing. Can I say this morning, young people, make up your mind that you're going to be faithful to the house of God. Young men, make up your mind that you're going to fulfill the call that God's placed on your life. Make up your mind that you're going to be pure to the marriage altar. Become firmly established. I'm going to tell you what we need in America. We need some young people that are fixed on the things of God, that are secure on the things of God, Because, young people, we want you to excel. We want you to go far beyond your imagination. We want you to surpass others. We want you to do well. I don't want you to ever have to wake up 20 years after salvation And still remember the gutters that you lived in sin. Can I say, young people, I'm thankful that I get to preach to you when you're 14 and 15 and 16 and 17. But can I say, I still want to preach to you when you're 25 and 30 and 40 and you're serving God with the rest of your life. We want you to go places in life. God has such a wonderful life for each and every person in this room if you'll just get to the place of being stable and living for him. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse number 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. Can I say, young people, Satan wants to steal your decency and purity. He wants to kill your relationship with your parents. He wants to destroy your testimony. Satan wants nothing more but to chew you up and spit you out just like he has every other young person that has traveled down the same road to live for him. Satan wants you to be used as an illustration in some preacher's sermon about a young person that had all the potential in the world to do big things for God but was unstable and now they're going nowhere and their life is a complete mess. Can I say, yes, Satan will paint you a pretty picture of living a life for him. He'll show you the bright lights and the fancy cars and the popularity of the world and he'll show you the pretty girls but you mark it down. He never shows you the whole picture. He doesn't show you the eternal dangers that come along with living a life for him. He doesn't show you getting hooked on drugs and breaking your family's heart. He doesn't show you when you're vomiting your guts out because you got alcohol pus- poison. He doesn't show you getting scarred from living a life of sin and having to bear those scars for the rest of your life. Satan only shows you young girls one side of that young man that you think is handsome as he woos you and talks you into doing things you know that's not right and you know good and well your parents don't approve of and your preacher and your youth director don't approve of but he's told you that he loves you and he'll talk you into losing your purity to him can I say Satan only showed you part of the picture And once that good for nothing punk gets what he wants he'll drop you like last week's business just to sweet talk some other young girl that still has her purity. And that bomb will be nowhere to be found when you're pregnant out of wedlock and depending on that mom and dad you betrayed to now raise your kid. And you'll lose something that you'll never be able to get back. Young people, God, can I say, go ahead and sell it in your mind today. Satan is a liar. He's not a giver, but he's a taker. Make up your mind. I'm going to fall in love with God. And I'm going to hate the things of the devil. Young people, please listen to me this morning. If you'll decide once and for all to live for God, he'll give you such a wonderful life that's far above your imagination. Jeremiah 33, verse number three the Bible says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. First of all, you've got to become stable. Jacob called Reuben to his bedside. And he said, Reuben, he said, you're unstable as water. And because you're unstable, you're not going to go anywhere in life. But doubt is, how do I become stable? How do I excel in life? Well, I'm glad you asked. In order to find out how not to be unstable, we have to find out what the root problem of being unstable is. So turn your Bible to where preacher went last night, to James chapter number 1. James in chapter number 1. Verse number 8, the Bible says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You see, a double-minded young lady is one who made a commitment to marry someone who their parents and their pastor approved of, but now they're dating the first boy that will pay them some attention. See, a double-minded young man is one that praises God on Sunday and cusses on Monday. See, a double-minded teenager is one that sings in the teen choir this week and the next thing you know, they're listening to the rock and roll music of the world. See, a double-minded young man is one that surrendered to preach last year at camp and this year they think that they're God's gift to the youth department and they now won't even lead in silent prayer. You understand, a double-minded young man is one that dedicates themselves to read the Bible every day. And the next thing you know, they're hooked on pornography. A double minded young lady is one that made a commitment at a youth conference like this to keep her purity to the marriage altar. And now they're sneaking off with some boy who doesn't even care about them. A double minded young lady is one that made a promise to dress like a lady according to the Bible this week and now they're uh, and what's pleasing to the Savior and now they're wearing the clothing of the world just to catch the eye of the opposite sex Uh, why do young people why do adults become unstable I'll tell you why because they're being double minded they want to live like the world and they want to live like God and can I say it does not work like this I want to give God give us some young people that'll make up their mind you're going to choose God and go forward for God amen If a person is double-minded, the Bible says you're unstable in all your ways. And if you're unstable, the Bible says you shall not excel. So let's deal with the root problem of being unstable. And for the next few minutes, I just want to give us some things the Bible can help us with being unstable or being double-minded. Turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24 this morning. That was all introduction. Look at Joshua 24. Most in this room could stand and quote this verse, but I want you to look at it here today. Look at Joshua chapter 24. Look at verse number 15. Can I say first of all how to deal with being double-minded? Number one, you've got to make up your mind once and for all who you're going to live for. The Bible says in Joshua 24, verse number 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day. Look at this word. Whom ye will serve. Whether the gods that your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. Did you see that word in that verse uh, young person it says whom you will serve not if you will serve but whom you will serve because you will serve someone you'll either serve the world the flesh or the devil or you'll serve God and can I say you will not serve someone and you will not follow someone that you know nothing about and that you're not spending time with Make up your mind that I'm going to serve God amen the Bible also says that no man can serve two masters young people you've got to make up your mind once and for all who you're going to serve whether I was a freshman or sophomore in Bible college I can't remember the exact year but I remember sitting in a chapel service one day and there were some character issues going on amongst the young men in Bible college and to be completely transparent with you, I was probably a little bit of the conversation within those meetings of the character issues going on. And I remember the dean of students got up one Wednesday and and preached a message and kind of just let the rubber hit the road like it would and just kind of laid the hammer down and just preached a pretty rough message there that day. And I remember after that chapel service was over watching... About a half a dozen young men from that Bible college pack up their books and put their Bible in their backpack and they left Bible college that day and to my knowledge, none of them are serving God today. And I begin to get my eyes on that because I begin to say some of those boys right there are preacher's sons. Some of those boys have grown up in Christian homes. Some of those boys can preach circles around me and if those boys can't make it, there's no way in the world that I can make it. And two days later on Friday after a chapel service I went to a class and sitting in that Bible class and I just got up out of that Bible college class and I walked out the door and left the Bible college that day and determined never to go to Bible college because if those men couldn't make it, there's no way in the world that I could make it. But I'm glad I had a preacher that loved me. I'm glad I had a preacher that believed in me. came over to my house and began to pray with me, began to spend time with me, began to show me scripture from the word of God, began to show me how over in the book of Revelation where it talks about Satan being the accuser of the brethren. And he prayed and he wept over me there that night and he began to just beg God that I come back and fulfill my call and do what God had called me to do. And I remember I tossed and turned all that night and Got up somewhere about the breaking of the day that Saturday morning and I just began to walk the property there in Walls, Mississippi. And I remember walking behind the Carl Hatchman's dormitory there that morning. And I knelt down in prayer and I said, God, I understand I'm not a preacher's kid. I understand that I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I understand guys have more talent than I do, and they can preach circles around me. But there that day I made my mind up. I didn't care who else quit. I didn't care who else gave up. I didn't care who else went on to do other things with their lives. I may not be able to preach as well as this one or that one. And I may not come from uh, from a Christian home. But by the grace of God, I'm going to serve God. And can I say from that day to this day, my mind's made up. I'm going on for God, amen. My mind's made up. God, give us some young people this week that once and for all will commit themselves like the old songwriter said, the world is behind me, the cross is before me and I've decided to follow Jesus. You got to make up your mind. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. John in chapter number 15. Dallas I want to be single minded about serving God how do I do that well first of all you got to make up your mind number two you've got to cleanse your mind look at John chapter 15 look at verse number 3 the Bible says now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you the psalmist said Psalm 119 verse number 9 wherewithal Shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Can I say, young person, let me introduce you to something that will cause you to be stable in life and as a consequence of being stable in life, you'll go places, amen. Can I say, it's called the word of God, amen. It's called the Bible that will help you be stable in serving God and living for God. Joshua 1.8. The Bible says this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Can I say young person just like each and every one of us need a physical bath every single day of our life we need a spiritual bath where we come in contact with the washing of the water by the word every single day of our life. I think about Daniel. Daniel was a stable young man in a strange land. But the Bible says about Daniel that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. Young person, purpose in your heart that you'll dedicate yourself to read this Bible every day and become single-minded about this thing of serving the Lord. Every promise in the book is mine, every jot, every tittle, every line. And you know why some of the promises in this book are not being fulfilled in your life is because you don't even know what some of the promises are. At my home in Nicholasville, I probably have 25 Bibles just like that in my office. But you understand, that Bible has never done anybody good anything like that. But boy, it sure does good when it's like this. I love the Bible. Can I say NYFC is a big deal in my life, but it's not nearly the biggest deal? getting up this morning before the sun came up and reading God's love letter to me you understand young person before you and I were saved Satan was in an all out attack for our soul but now that we are saved he's lost the battle for our soul but that doesn't mean Satan's quit fighting he's not fighting for our soul today He's fighting for our mind. And that's why we need to come in contact with the Word of God and let the Bible claim victory over our mind instead of that good-for-nothing slew-foot Satan. Can we be reminded there's power in this old black book? This Bible had power to bring conviction upon our soul and save us by the grace of God. I believe it's this Bible that still has power to call young men to preach. It's this Bible that has power to keep young people right with their parents. It's this Bible that has power to keep young people pure to the marriage altar. Can I say too many times, I hear preachers saying, I don't believe God can send revival. Don't tell me that, my friend. I believe this Bible right here, preach with power, can still bring revival to this nation that we live in. Amen. I believe with all my heart if I didn't I'd quit doing what I'm doing and go do something else but I believe God can send revival. It's this Bible right here that will keep you dressing right and looking right and acting right and listening to the right kinds of music. It's this Bible that will show you the real meaning of happiness. It's this Bible that will reveal God's will for your life. It's this Bible that will produce a fire in your bones and a zeal in your heart to serve God and live for God and go forward for God. Today Can I say, child of God, listen to me. Any day that the child of God does not walk with God, you're leaving a wide open door in your life for Satan to wreak havoc in your life. And the day you take off from walking with God, you mark it down. The world, the flesh, and the devil do not take a day off. they bring a temptation into your life. How to deal with being double-minded? Well, first of all, you've got to make up your mind. You've got to cleanse your mind. Number three, you've got to renew your mind. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse number two, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You've got to renew your mind. You gotta reprogram your mind. Some of you got saved from a mischievous life before you before you met Jesus. Can I say whatever bad you take out of your life, you've got to replace it with something good. You've got to replace the bad you take out of your life with something good, or you mark it down, you will go back to the bad eventually. You say, well, Brother Dallas, I'm not gonna think about the bad I used to do. If you don't replace it with something good and positive, you're gonna absolutely think about those things uh, you took out, and eventually you'll be involved in the same old things. Maybe there's a young man uh, that you used to uh, look at pornography before you met Christ. Can I say, you're gonna have to replace it with the Word of God, and let this Bible right here cleanse your mind. Maybe you listen to rock music. Take the rock music out, but you've gotta replace it with some good, godly music. Maybe you had bad friends. You've gotta replace it with good friends. Is. maybe you used to cuss can i say why don't you start finding out what is just to praise god amen make up your mind cleanse your mind renew your mind after i got saved can i say i didn't have to be pumped and primed or pressured to be at the house of god i was just there man boy i'd show up for church activities that i wasn't even invited to amen Sometimes I feel like I do that here at Clay's Mill. Nobody just tells me, amen. I just made up my mind. To the extent that I once lived for the devil is now to the extent that I'm going to live for God. You've got to make up your mind. You've got to cleanse your mind. You've got to renew your mind. Number four, you've got to guard your mind. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse number 13 "Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ." That word gird means to protect. You've got to ask God to protect your mind. You've got to beg God to fix your mind upon godly things and heavenly things. Paul said, let this mind be in you. Paul also said, I die daily. Young people, every single one of us, every one of us adults alike, if there's one funeral service that every single one of us ought to attend every single day of our life, it's the funeral service of self. Every single one of us ought to go look in the mirror first thing in the morning and look at the one that's looking back at us and tell ourselves, You're not in control of me today, but the Spirit of God that lives inside of me is in control of me. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Not physically dying, but spiritually dying to self and finding out what it is to be led by the Spirit of God instead of our flesh. Every single day of my life, I go to God to the best of my ability, including this morning. And I'll kneel at my chair in my office, and i say, God, to the best of my ability, I yield myself to you right now. And I ask you to lead me by the Spirit of God. And God, I ask you to take my mind, and don't let me think about anything or ponder anything that would be wicked or vile or sinful. Job said... I made a covenant with my eyes. Or he said, I made a covenant with my eyes. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Paul said, I must renew my mind. God take my eyes and don't let me look upon anything or see anything that I shouldn't look upon or see. God take my ears and don't let me listen to anything I shouldn't listen to or hear. God take my mouth and don't let me talk about anything or say anything I shouldn't talk about or say. God take my arms and my hands and don't let me pick up anything or touch anything I shouldn't pick up or touch. God take my heart And cleanse it and make it pure and holy. Allow me to be a clean vessel that can be used by you. God, take my legs and my feet. Don't let me walk any place or step any place I shouldn't walk into or step into. You say, Brother Dash, you do that every day, every single day. Brother Dallas, why do you do that every single day? I'll tell you why. Because this old flesh that I live in and your flesh that you live in, it's wicked, it's vile, it's sinful. And my friend, I don't want the flesh to rule and reign my life, but I want the Spirit of God that lives inside of me to rule and reign my life. You've got to guard your mind. Number five, and I finish. Not only do you got to make up your mind, not only do you gotta cleanse your mind, renew your mind, you've got to gird your mind, you've got to guard your mind. Can I say number five? You're gonna have to come to God with a humble mind. The Bible says in Philippians chapter two, verse number three and through five, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul said, lowliness of mind, that's a humble mind. Can I say, young people, if you want to get the victory over being double-minded, and as a result, you'll become stable and go places for God, you'll have to come with some humility. You're not going to be able to go to God with the mindset of all you've done in the youth department. You're not going to be able to go to God with all that you've done or what your last name is or what position your dad or mom may hold in the church. You're going to have to go to God with lowliness of mind and realize you're a sinner that deserved a place called hell but because of God's grace and God's mercy you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. And anything good in your life is because of all that God has done for you. Jacob told Reuben. He said, you're unstable. And you're not going to excel. That was Jacob's last words to Reuben. I'm sure glad that those were not the last words that my daddy's told me. A few years ago, Nikita and I were traveling to North Carolina to start a revival. My parents were on vacation in Gatlinburg. and My daddy called and said, Chris, he said, why don't you and Nikita stop by and eat lunch with Mom and I. We did and I never pass up a free meal. Amen. And After we got through eating, I hugged my parents' neck and walking off to my car my dad yelled across to me in the parking lot he said Chris he said you got any of your latest preaching CDs with you and I said yes sir I got them in my book table there he said well won't you give your mom and I a few so we can listen to and I said okay and I gave him a couple of my latest preaching CDs and Nikita and I got on the road and About two hours later, my daddy called me and he said two things about the messages. First of all, he said, Chris, he said, you sure do give it all you got when you preach. And I said, Dad, I, said, I gave everything I could to the devil when I was lost. And now, by the grace of God, I'm going to give everything I've got to God. At one time, my dad told me, he said, Chris, You're not going to go anywhere living this life. But after he heard those messages, he said this. He said, Chris, since you sold out to God, God has taken you more places than you would have ever imagined. Before I met Jesus, I never went more than two hours on either side of Memphis. These last 13 years, my wife and I, the pianists can go ahead and make their way. These last 13 years, I've traveled in vehicle and air. Over a million, five hundred thousand miles. We've been in 42 states and several foreign countries. And in a couple of weeks, I get to go to Mexico with Brother Davis And at least once a month, I get to travel with my hero, Brother Fugit. I barely even passed high school, but I get to be a small part of Commonwealth Baptist College. I'm not sure if that was a help or a hurt for Commonwealth right there when I said that. I don't get to do it as much as I used to just because of busyness of schedule. But once a year, I get with my parents. I'll go with my dad to a restaurant. My dad always says embarrassing things after we get through eating. He'll ask the lady, the waitress, does she take food stamps or can we wash dishes for the meal because he didn't have any money. Once a year, he'll always take me and he started buying me Henry rifles and he wants me to collect Henry rifles. And I'm glad for the president now, but you should have heard what he said about the president before. When he would talk to the gun salesman. But it doesn't matter if he embarrasses me in a restaurant. It doesn't matter if he embarrasses me in a gun store. My dad will always make a point to tell the person he's talking to. My son, right there, is a preacher. Can I say we need some young people that once and for all you'll make up your mind. You're going to live for God. You're going to serve God. Haven't you seen already too many illustrations of the devil taking a young person and chewing them up and spitting them out, yeah. expecting expecting different results doing the same thing? That's insanity. Let's stand all across the building this morning. As the altar's open this morning, maybe you've already made up your mind. Maybe you've already decided. Maybe there's a youth director here this morning. You're just about to throw in the towel and just about to say it's not even worth it. Can I say it is worth it? man can I say it is worth living for God preacher boy quit trying to be popular in the youth department find out what it is to be pleasing to God Reuben was unstable he didn't go anywhere Make up your mind. I'm going to live for God. And I'm going to serve God. I'm going to go